You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Third in the weekly standings this week and third overall now for the year in our group. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Does that uh, does that cure your hangover a little bit? No. These leftover <laughs> these leftover chicken nuggets should though. Grab some poutine and a double double. It's time for the two and out CFL podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do. Every week, Travis Cura. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people too. Talk fantasy football. Bring you the latest in CFL news and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable. Ready, set. And welcome to the Two and Out CFL podcast, Travis Curra and Brazilian Ty. We have a lot to get to, so quickly, we got to mention that Two and Out is now a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Look at that, another group that's willing to work with us, Ty. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, me, me anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to not be invited to these meetings. <laughs> For reasons that are ex- that are pretty self-explanatory. <laughs> Let's get right to the news. In the huddle with Karan Tai on the Two and Out podcast. Okay, breaking news. I actually found a store that carries a hat big enough for my head. That, that that's not that's not true. You're lying. No, dude. Believe me, man. <laughs> so apparently, I'm a size eight. And that's about as big as a cowboy hat comes. There are plenty of stores in Red Deer that don't even carry size eight. So I was lucky enough to find one. <laughs> you would have had to like buy a seven and three quarters and cut slits on the side of it to make it fit. <laughs> I'm just so happy. And I, I know we're going to get to the news item that everybody wants to talk about. It was uh, Jacob Truba. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Arbitration happens. That's what we're here to talk about, isn't it? Well, I thought it was the to- I thought it was the Tony Washington story. Oh wow! I thought we were going to talk about the Open as well. Uh. <laughs> T- Tiger did have have a real good day or a real good weekend. Just couldn't put it all together. Yes or no? Is he ever going to win another major? Uh, this would be the only one that he could win. It would have to be a British Open, but I don't think he. I don't think he does. All right, let's really talk about what everybody is talking about. Um, I I think <laughs> if if the Ty Cats were going to trade Johnny Manziel, I think we all knew it was going to be to Montreal. But Ty, they paid a steep price. Yeah, they're, they're going to lose two starting offensive linemen. Uh, you know, and it, that that could leave a hole. Uh, for sure, but they think that their younger guys are already step in and take those positions. Uh, as for Montreal, what they gave up—that's that's that's a that's a haul for Hamilton. Um, you know, getting getting Westerman and those draft picks could could be real huge for them. Um, it this, this trade is like we'll have to see what the draft picks turn out to be, but I I don't see anybody really winning this trade i mean montreal fills a hole uh hamilton does get better like both teams got better from this trade it's just gonna have to work we'll have to wait and see how it works out you know what i'm gonna say that hamilton is the winner of this trade right now they traded for a quarterback that they do not know what he's going to do in the cfl and on top of that he could be jetting after next year and that is a big deal because the, the Owls do not have a first-round pick next year. They did give it up for Tyler Johnstone. So essentially, we can almost call him their first-round pick for next year because he's already starting at left tackle, a Canadian. Mm-hmm. I, I'm okay with them giving up that, but they also gave up their first-round pick in 2020. They gave up the first-round pick in 2021. <laughs> Um, Canadian talent wins in this league, and we've talked about already how uh, how much Canadian depth the Tiger Cats have. It seems that they might be getting even more from this trade because they also get Jamal Westerman, who has been an absolute beast at defensive end for the last few years. They could potentially be starting actually two Canadian defensive ends with Justin Capicotti there as well. Which, you know, if you can do that and 
get another American uh, into a skill position, that's just that's just added incentive to be able to do that to want to do this. Um, and like you said, tr- trading Masoli, they don't know what he's going to be. Uh, Mon- Montreal's got to do something. Uh, they they got to take a flyer on him because their quarterback situation right now is just it's not good. Uh, and you know that this is one way to fix it. Maybe he he he's probably going to start in the next couple weeks, and we'll actually get to see what he can do. Um, but yeah, like I, them Montreal giving up all these draft picks just isn't making a lot of sense to me. And they also give up Chris Williams, who has not done much this year, but that just takes another pass catcher away from Johnny Manziel. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got B.J. Cunningham. He's got Ernest Jackson, who this season has really struggled. So <laughs> it might as well say he only has B.J. Cunningham right now. He does not have anybody to throw to in Montreal at all. No, and that it's like, I mean, when – you got two guys that are really the only viable options, uh, and you know they're traded away. They're they're one guy who's a legitimate deep threat that you know just had nobody to get him the ball. Uh, it it's almost like by filling one hole, they've created another, and you know that that'll happen in trades a lot. But I mean, when it's a hole like that, I, the quarterback situation vast it improves if he can play. We don't know that yet, so they they might just end up having the same same problem but have added added to that problem now so it, it it's it, it it's going to be it could be a total crapshoot for them cuz like even if Manzel plays who's he going to throw the ball to i don't i don't know <laughs> it's, they it's, play it's weird. they play Edmonton this Thursday i can't see him getting in to that game maybe he, i don't know gets into the game i can't see him starting though no. two days of practice that that's just throwing him to the wolves. <laughs> oh, absolutely! But at the same time, we've seen Montreal do some weird stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm not going to say that it would shock me, but at the same time, it would shock me. The following week, eight days after Thursday, they are in Montreal with guess who coming to town? The Hamilton Tiger Cats. I could see him starting that game. Oh, that. That's a distinct possibility. Um, you know, it might not be. It might be like the Chris Strevler method that they use in Winnipeg, where he's not going to have the full playbook. Uh, but of you course, get, you get to see get to see what he can do. Uh, you know, in a, in the off in a new offense. You know, we haven't seen him play yet. So other than preseason, um, and yeah, that would just be that would be so poetic if he if he, his first start comes against Hamilton. And I, I really hope Cavis made this decision on his own and wasn't told by somebody higher up. The Wetton Halls in the organization, that, it has been yeah. talked about for the last decade, and it kind of screams of that. Yeah, they, they like to get their fingers on, they make, make sure their fingerprints are all over this team, it seems. Uh, they can't just sit back and let the GM do his job and you know build a team. And we've seen it since Calvillo's been gone that... You know this team has been in disarray. Like, I mean, they haven't been a consistently good football team for for years now. So, I mean, and that if the owners are going to meddle, like they've known to do in Montreal, it it doesn't bode well. Elsewhere, um, there's been a lot of talk of Terrell Owens the last little bit. The Eskimos have actually dropped him from their nag list. Do you see him signing? anywhere at this point i don't we talked about it last week he's 44 the game is the game is so much faster paced you know with the 20 second play clock i don't i i just don't see it and i i know a lot of people saying oh sign him in toronto get get tickets sold and things like that that's a temporary solution. What you need to do in Toronto is to get them to care about the CFL. I know mm-hmm. that is a uh, uh, you got a long way to go there, especially with how the Argos are looking this year. We will talk about them, but they are not looking like a good team at all. So signing a 44-year-old may help you for two weeks. It's not going to help you going into the future here with the Argos in Toronto. And I guess... <laughs> All of this mentioned, Manziel, Owens, the NFL, 
The CFL has voted to bring back the NFL window for teams, and I think this is big. Heading into CBA negotiations here, basically players are going to get a window in the offseason to allow to work out for NFL teams, and if they get a contract, they're allowed to go. And I am 100% okay with that, and this gets rid of, I hope, these one-year contracts that guys only want to sign, you know, in case they have uh, mm-hmm. NFL opportunities come up in the off season. But uh, as of right now, any players under contract now, this NFL window will not be open to them. But uh, contracts signed after sometime in August, they will have the NFL window, and uh, I think it's a good thing. It it for sure is. Uh, you know, it'll give guys can now they'll be able to get. Like some term, you know, and have a little bit of a guarantee that at least they're going to be play, they'll be able to play football somewhere, um, and then that way they can, they can go down and try out because they there's guys that want to play in the NFL. That's why they're you know they came up they were there didn't make it come up here you know try to get some film try to get some gameplay maybe work out improve they can go they can try to go back. This just gives them another another opportunity to do that, and like you said, if it, if uh, they don't make it, then they can come back. And, you know, that allows teams to kind of, I don't know, build a brand is not maybe the word I'm looking for, but, you know, you can have a player under contract. You know, you can sign him to a three- or four-year deal. He might not be here for the whole thing if he gets a, if he gets an offer, but you're not signing these one-year deals year in, year out, and guys, uh, you know, moving around a bunch. Well, that's another thing. you got to get fans to care about their team and it's not as much of an issue in the west and basically it only seems like maybe three fan bases where it's not an issue right now and that would be calgary edmonton and winnipeg and i guess you could argue for hamilton and ottawa as well but when players are coming in and out every single year these the fans don't get to know their team and they don't get to know their players and really Mm -hmm. start to care and have a favorite player on the team they just like the team, but when they can get to know the players and make a connection with them, that is big to keeping long-term fans, I think. It, it definitely is. And, you know, look at the turnover that BC had on yeah. their roster this season. Like, that, that's incredible. And, you know, it, it's, it, was, it was already a little tough to get fans in BC. Um, you know, they, they, with the stadium they have, I mean, it looks way worse than it actually is probably. Yeah, but, I, mean, when, I, I think so. When you're losing half your roster – uh, people don't know who's who's on their team anymore. You know, it, it's almost the first six weeks are a learning process again because you gotta you gotta learn who everybody is again. So that, that's kind of tough. Uh, and I, yeah, I think a little bit of roster stability. I think that this could possibly bring with guys being able to being willing to sign longer term uh, could help the attendance aspect in a lot of places. Before we talk about week six, we've got to say uh, thank you to ATB. They are a sponsor of the Alberta Podcast Network. And I know you were a coach in minor hockey once upon a time, Ty. It's hard to believe, but you were, weren't you? Assistant coach. Assistant coach. (laughs) (laughs) But minor hockey uh, sponsors are needed uh, all across Mm -hmm. Alberta to help it go, isn't it? And ATB, that is exactly what they do. They want to help your team, whether it's Tom Thumb, Pee Wee, or all the way up to the pros. ATB helps sponsor teams across Alberta. And I know it's a football podcast, but in September, a lot of kids are going to be playing hockey again. A lot of adults are going to be playing hockey again when the ice time ramps up again. So... Uh, ATB.com slash hockey. Check them out, and uh, they can help sponsor your team here in Alberta. Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em, and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, we start with the first game of the week. It is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Getting by the Hamilton Tiger Cats, 31-20. This was a big touchdown for Marcus Thigpen. He gives to Thigpen. Big hole. 35-45-50. Midfield goes Thigpen. He's going to score. Is he? 15-10-5. Touchdown, Marcus Thigpen. 
It is an 80-yard touchdown run to open the second half. Now, <laughs> after Saskatchewan lost to Montreal, <laughs> fans all over the CFL thought that the Riders were going to go on probably an 0-6 run here, especially with the way Hamilton looked at the time. I think a lot thought they were going to lose two straight to Hamilton, but now that they swept the series with Hamilton... Man, uh, things look all of a sudden a lot more positive in Regina. Uh, yeah, just a bit. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I I picked Hamilton both weeks, and you know, I, I was I'll, I'll eat crow. I was wrong. Um, it, it, the stuff that's going on with their roster and you know guys playing the positions they are, I, I don't get how they're winning football games. But Chris Jones is somehow making this work. It looked grim early in the game. Of course, the Riders only dressed five offensive linemen, and the leader of that offensive line, Brendan Labatt, got hurt on the opening drive. He left the game. He went to the locker room for a bit. At that time, uh, Eddie Steele covered on the offensive line until Labatt came back, and when Labatt came back, he played Unreal. He had an amazing game. Actually, that offensive line had mm -hmm. their best game of the entire season. And Brendan Labatt, I, I think the Riders lost some leadership in the offseason with Bakari Grant and uh, Chad Owens. and uh, they, they lost some of that veteran leadership. But Brendan Labatt really stepped up basically all week long because uh, they had some bad days at practice. I think it was Tuesday. Brandon Labatt came out and said, hey, our practice habits are absolute garbage. And then he backed it up in the game. I don't know what he did in the locker room. I don't know if he put some numbing agent in there or what, but he was able to get back onto the field and he backed up what he said during the week at practice. So, I mean, if you got to take a player of the game for the Riders, it is probably Brandon Labatt. I wish there were more yeah. highlights of offensive linemen I could play on the podcast, but he backed up what he was saying and, and stepped up as a leader for this team. He, he definitely did. And I think a big part of him coming back in that game was uh, knowing you know, the, the roster situation with only dressing the 5 0 linemen. Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie Steele was serviceable. He, he played good, you know, when he had to cover. I wouldn't want him in there for a full game, but, you know, emergency yeah. situation. Um, but I think. He's like, I need, I need to get back into this game somehow, some way. I got to fight through this, uh, you know, and just leader on and off the field. And like you said, with the practice stuff, and you know, he he let his team have it, and then yeah, backed it up, came back in this game, and the, the whole offensive line I thought played really well on Thursday night. But you know, the back coming back was was huge. Now, Ryder fans are really funny. During the Durant era, when he went through a rough stretch, fans would call, oh, get him on the sideline, let him watch a few series with Drew Willie in there. Mm -hmm. And then the Riders were doing that, switching quarterbacks, and then the whole fan base got mad again. <laughs> yeah. So there is a little bit of hypocrisy in there, but it almost seemed like the Riders listened to what everybody was saying here they were doing things that helped the offensive line they were throwing screens they uh, and, and you know what they did change Brandon Bridge I think it was two series in for Watford mm -hmm. but he played the entire second half and I think that was really big for his confidence I I totally agree you know he, at some point he's got to be left in a game to work through some stuff and you know and if he can do that you know, because every every quarterback's gonna have a rough patch at some point in the game. If he can work through that, and then you know, start making plays, and you know, have know that he has the confidence from his coach, or that his coach has the confidence in him to leave him in and let him play a game. I think you know he's not looking over his shoulder. He's not worried to make a mistake here or there. You know, and it just it makes him a better quarterback if he's gonna be able to you know, take the reins and play an entire game. Yeah, and that was big for Bridge being the uh, quarterback of this team going forward until Caleros comes back or maybe the rest of the season. Who knows what's going to happen with that situation. But he only throws for 165 yards, but 17 of 22, had a touchdown, had some runs. But the key is no turnovers here, and that was huge for this offense. That That is massive. Um, you know, he, he is liable to you know, make a bad decision and, you know, he's young, he's still learning. Like, this is only his, what, third start? So, 
or <clears throat> third start this year. So I mean, like he's only, he's got a handful of starts. It's really small, small sample size, but you know he he has turned the ball over. He, he shows a propensity to do that. Um, you know that that's going to had a lot of dropped interceptions yes, too. So and, right, and that, so that's that's a lot of luck. Um, you know, but eventually those you know it's either going to turn around or it's not um, with the interception wise. But I mean, you know, the more he learns, the more he gets to play. You know. Read defenses more and more and more. Um, you know those interceptions should uh, should take care of themselves. Yeah, and I thought they helped him a lot with the screen plays. And mm-hmm. I, I know some are saying, "What are you doing with these screen plays?" But they're they're high percentage plays that set up the name and Roosevelt touchdown. Oh, and you you saw it. It was absolutely beautiful. They they faked the screen to Shaq Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naaman Roosevelt is uncovered and untouched for a touchdown. So that was just that's what happens when you commit to something like that. But it helped the quarterback get his confidence, make some completions, and it helped the offensive line and the running game for the Riders in this one. They had over what two hundred yards on the ground, and it helped. Um, that they use the right players in the right situation. Jerome Messam, the hammer, comes in in the fourth quarter at the end of the game and wraps it up. Uh, I mean, I was happy that I had Marcus Thigpen, but he only had the one carry. It was an 80-yard <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> it could have been a lot worse uh, fantasy-wise, mm-hmm. but I think Trey Mason has his best game as a rider as well with 51 yards on the ground. It just seemed like they used their running backs properly here. Yeah, like Jerome Messam comes out of the bullpen, so to speak, and you know closes this one out. He he's a guy that is going to run between the tackles. He's going to kill time. He's going to protect the football. You know, and Th- Thigpen is more of your of your speed. You know, he can get outside, and you know, an eighty yard rushing touchdown is you know really nice to see. He finishes with fifteen point six points, and you know that really all of that came from that one play. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, and Trey, Trey Mason fifty one yards. It's respectable as well. Like. And like you said, yeah, they had over 200 yards rushing, which, especially in the CFL, you don't see too often. As for the Ticats side of the ball, now, this changes everything because there were a lot wondering, are we going to see Johnny Manziel? Uh, Should he have been in this game when it was out of reach? Should they think about starting him uh, a little while here? Well, now that's not an option. So. I think that has to take a lot of pressure off of Jeremiah Mazzoli's shoulders. Now, if you talk to the guy, it seems like this stuff doesn't bug him. He looks as cold as ice. But you have to think. It was on his mind a little bit, but now it's just not there anymore. This is Jeremiah Mazzoli's team. He does go 20 of 28, 184 yards and an interception. He also had 24 rush yards on three carries. You know what? Eh, I don't think he played horribly, but credit has to be there for the Rough Rider defense as well because mm-hmm. it, it's not like he was just going up against the practice team here. No, and like we've said it before, that front seven on the Riders can create a lot of havoc in a team's backfield. Uh, oh, know, yeah. Pressures get Masoli moving around, you know, and. He he did make some throws that you know had no business being caught that should have been intercepted, you know, basically jumping backwards and just throwing it into an area that's you know should have been fully riders, but comes up with a catch. So there's a little bit of luck to that there. But I mean, falls short from setting the new record. But I mean, he didn't play terribly, um, you know. But that that rider front seven was just just creating so much so many problems for him. And I'm going to say it now. I think Jalen Saunders is the better pure receiver than Brandon Banks. Mm-hmm. And he he had 67 yards and five catches. Saunders did. But where Banks excels is when they're able to get him in space, when uh, you know they throw screens to him, and the volume, the amount of targets he's been getting the last little while has been incredible here. But it's not like you sit there and you think Brandon Banks is such an incredible route runner. He's he, he's a smart receiver. No, it's all about his speed. And Ed Ganey was able to shut him down in this game. Three catches and 25 yards. And let's face it, when things don't go Brandon's way, he starts to pout a little bit. And we definitely saw it here. Yeah, and that that's not a good look. Um, you know, no. that's, that's not what you want from 
you know, a guy that you would hope would be somewhat of a leader on this team. Uh, you know, the the ball, you're not going to get the ball on every play. Um, you know, and just because you think you're open, your quarterback is going to see it a different way. Uh, you know, just go go back to the sideline and maybe talk talk to Masoli and talk to the coach, but don't sit there and walk up the field and, you know, mutter to yourself the whole way to the sideline because it just looks childish. They were even able to shut down Tolliver here as well. Of course, mm-hmm. Deron Carter had that assignment, three catches on 23 yards. And Carter actually made an interesting uh, tweet as well last night saying that, hey, I know just as much as you. I want to be playing offense as well. So I thought that inter- that found that interesting from Deron. Well, that's what he's – everybody wants to play offense. Like, I mean, you want to be the one scoring the touchdowns, not trying to – trying to defend the pass because it's not that much fun i find when i've got to play defense um well he doesn't know. get to touch the ball as much <laughs> no right and he's, I, I think i think he, he if he wants to play offense he, he obviously does uh it's gonna happen it's gonna happen eventually he'll be moved back the, once they can sign sign a db that can play that that corner spot but until then i mean i guess it's gonna be what it's gonna be um but if he's still willing to you know show up and he's it's not like he's refusing to play the position yeah he's still he's helping the team and I think that's the bigger picture is that you know he's engaged and willing to to do this work because you know the team needs him to it was nice to see two return touchdowns Christian Jones Mm -hmm. for the Riders Frankie Williams for the Tiger Cats and quickly John White 12 carries 55 yards and a touchdown, 11 and a half fantasy points here. After all, John White has been through the injury troubles with the Eskimos. It's nice to see him have a, a, a nice game here for the Tabbies. For sure. And, you know, he was the leading fantasy point getter, or, well, almost, uh, he's point two behind Jalen Saunders. So, I mean, nobody had a really great game on the Hamilton side of football, but it was nice to see John White, you know, get involved, get a touchdown, you know, get some carries. Uh, and, you know, he looked good. And, you know, if he can stay healthy, that he can be a big part of this offense. And it'll be really nice to see what the Tiger Cats do here. Of course, Luke Tasker didn't play, so they got to work him into the offense. And Chris Williams, too. So <laughs> I think the Tiger Cats offense gets a lot more potent uh, from this mm-hmm. point forward. Now, uh, I think we go to Friday Night Football. I think it's safe to say that this one uh, was the game of the week. Can we call it that? Uh, did I not say that it would be on Wednesday? Uh, I think you did, actually. Yeah. So <laughs> Weird. I hate it when I'm right. It's the worst. <laughs> no, you don't. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so Ottawa beats the Lions 29-25. Ooh, here's that big Greg Ellingson catch in the fourth quarter and that game-winning drive. Excuse me. Harris going over the top, and it's caught by Ellingson. Oh, what a catch at the right time. Captain Clutch clutches that. Speaking of that game-winning drive, my fantasy team, I spent a lot of money on William Powell, and I was worried. Uh, the mm-hmm. We need to talk about Jordan Herdman, middle linebacker for the Lions. Of course, Solomon Elamimian is hurt for BC, and I guess his Jedi apprentice, uh, Jordan Herdman, <laughs> looks a lot like Solomon Elamimian out there. The guy had an amazing game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and when you can, I mean, they shut down William Powell like 50, 50 yards, like from William Powell. That's that's a that's low. That's not a great oh, night yeah. for him. Um, you know, and we we thought BC would have trouble with with their run defense without Mimi and out, but you know Herdman filled in admirably, and they they had to, they had a chance to win this game, uh, just couldn't get it done. But the defense was not as bad as we thought it was going to be with that Elamimian uh, on the sidelines. Now, in the first half, things were going back and forth. They were quite close. Uh, maybe BC controlled things a little bit. And you know what? They could have controlled it even more. It turned out being pretty big in this game. But did you see that penalty Odell Willis took in the first half after the Lions had Ottawa pinned deep? He basically, of course, in the East Division, 
The benches are on the same side of the field. Odell goes off. He's on the Ottawa sideline. And it didn't look like he was causing trouble. But he ended up getting an unsportsmanlike conduct, extended Ottawa's drive. All Ottawa got on that drive, uh, I think, was a field goal. Um, and Lewis Ward goes five for five. I mean, those jerseys should be flying off the shelf in Ottawa. But <laughs> <laughs> Odell Willis getting in trouble from uh, Wally Buono. It's been a long time since I've seen Buono get that fired up. And that I, I missed it, but I had it recorded. And I was I went back and and was able to watch some of that. I did miss that part, but yeah, I, when Wally gets mad, it makes for great TV. Well, and Odell gets back onto the field. He ends up getting a sack. And I, how many sacks in Odell's career? I think he's got 90 of them now. Did he not celebrate at all? He knew he was in trouble mm-hmm. from the Godfather. He just walked off the field. He's like, I did my job. Hopefully yeah. Wally's okay with me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally redeem yourself. Don't want to mess this up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But BC took another bad penalty late in this game. It was second down, of course. A time count violation inside three minutes is a loss of down. I think it was second mm-hmm. and seven. They were they were threatening. They were inside the 15-yard line. They take that penalty, and I know a lot of people say if you go back and watch it that, uh, hey, they did get the ball off, but they got the penalty, and it was third down, and that was uh, the moment where B- or Ottawa was able to get that ball back and drive down the field and win the game. So Brad Sinopoli, we thought a few weeks ago, I think it was against Montreal, had his biggest game of his career. Well, he tops it here. It mm-hmm. seemed like Harris was throwing to him every play. And why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. he, he was on a heater, and you know there's no reason to go away from him. Yeah, 171 yards on 11 catches and a touchdown. Ends up with 34.1 points. Um, wow. Not not the most expensive wide receiver out there, and I bet you his own rate. I don't know if his own rate would be that high. Like, he's not flashy, but he's definitely no. the best Canadian receiver in the league right now. He might be the best Canadian quarterback as well. <laughs> Give him the ball, Ottawa. Look, that's a natural backup right there. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the Manny Show puts on a show, 152 mm-hmm. yards on five catches. So it's possible that you had Sinopoli, Arsenault, and Andrew Harris all on one team, and you're a happy camper. Oh, for sure. Uh, I had Arsenault <laughs> in my original lineup, so... That kind of backfired when I took him out and put Brian Burnham in. Uh, but, you know, nice. It, it's before Labor Day, and, you know, Arsenal comes out with a 152 yard game and a touchdown, 26.2 points. Uh, he, maybe he's turning it on a little early this year. Um, you know, I, I think that, well, he, he he's a slow starter, like we've said, but, I mean, we're not going to see games like this all the time. But, you know, at least, you know, five catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown would be nice to see uh, yeah. early on in the year. But, just not quite getting that but I mean this if you had Arsenal in your lineup you're pretty pleased with that output it was it was a nice game for Brandon Rutley as well he had 17 carries 91 yards and a mm-hmm. touchdown 16 and a half fantasy points but he ends up leaving the game early the Lions I guess they got to hope that Jeremiah Johnson is good to go because uh, that ended up being a pivotal moment in the game as well. Rutley leaves, and they're having to go with Raleigh Lambala, and I love Raleigh, but he's not uh, an every-down back in no. the CFL. He's he's your fullback, so uh, hopefully the Lions have uh, their running backs get healthy in a, in a hurry, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the... You know, anytime you have an injury, uh, you know it can it, it'll affect more aspects than just their position. But when it's a running back, um, you know, Lule is not as agile as he once was. He's not going to be rushing a lot, and you want to establish that run. You're gonna you're gonna need you need your running backs to uh, to be healthy and be able to carry the football. Deontay Spencer has got to be a little bit of a concern for those in Ottawa now. Yeah, you know, he's not having the best. Like the best production offensively, but I, I noticed that even on his punt returns, yeah, he had 136 return yards this week. But you know, they just seem that his—I don't, I don't know—I I don't think he's lost a step or anything. He might have, but it, we're not seeing the return yards either that we that we're accustomed to from Deontay. 
Yeah, I don't know if teams have uh, gotten a bit more tape on him as well, but I think for the Red Blacks to succeed, they need uh, him going on the offense as well. We go uh, to Toronto, uh, the first game of a back-to-back with the Bombers here. I guess we just feature, feature one of Andrew Harris's touchdowns. Easy touchdown, Andrew Harris has two on the day. Again, like his first touchdown, though he carried the mail, he goes in untouched. This is crazy to say, but 167 yards, the most Andrew Harris has ever rushed for. Mm-hmm. He smashed the Argos in this game. Yeah, and you know, 16 yards on his two catches, he was he was so dominant. Um, you know, we're used to seeing that against BC and Edmonton. Uh, you know, it, like we said. You know, Toronto has injuries up front uh, in the linebacker core. So, I mean, him being able to, if he can get through that, you know, it's uh, it's a chance for a big game, and we saw that on Saturday. He's also now, uh, he, he can hit 1,000, 1,000. Uh, he needs to average he three, needs to average 32.5 rush yards and 70 receiving yards uh, for the rest of the year to hit 1,000, 1,000. He's on pace right now for 1,830 rushing yards. So, if he doesn't hit a thousand, a thousand. If he doesn't hit one thousand, one thousand, there's still a chance he could be looking at two thousand rushing yards. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> he's he he might be in the in the conversation for MOP right now. Uh, well, I, absolutely. I I don't see how he wouldn't be. If he averages over a hundred rush yards a game, <laughs> it's that's Mike Pringle numbers, man. Yeah, it'd be something we've like it. It's gonna be it's gonna be quite the rate. Like if there's what let's say if he's got 100 yards or 110 yards left and it's the last week, does does O'Shea keep him in until he gets it and then pull him? You know if they've already locked up a home field advantage. Like that, it's gonna be a story when we get late in the year for sure. And uh, hopefully he stays healthy. I mean, we're only this mm-hmm. far into the season here. When when Harris gets the ball this amount, we have seen him uh, miss a few games here and there because he's just such a workhorse. He gets the ball so much. We've seen them kind of use Nick Dembski a little bit uh, to give Harris a break. And without Timothy Flanders, it's almost like Dembski is in that role, and he might... He might sneak into flex consideration for your fantasy team. He had five catches and 62 yards. He added 10 rush yards as well. His day probably looks a lot better if he didn't have that fumble. Oh, for sure it does. You know, still manages to get 12.2. Yeah. Not very, not very expensive. Like, if, like, get, a, get him into your flex spot and you're, you, you probably had a pretty decent week. Now, if you took Matt Nichols, you're happy. He's a cheap quarterback, 19 of 27, 245, two touchdowns. He had a rushing touchdown as well. It's a good week. Yeah, I am happy that I have him in my lineup. <laughs> That's a good point. Um, yeah, he, he played well. Um, you know, 245 yards, you, you know, it's not not flashy numbers, but we don't expect flashy numbers from Matt Nichols. Uh, you know, he just... He made sure that his team had a chance to win the game, and you know, having Andrew Harris t- with you know two touchdowns and all the rushing yards he had helped. But uh, you know, it's just another game, another week where you know Matt Nichols doesn't have the flashy numbers, but gets the job done, and that's what he does. It's easy to do behind that offensive line. If you mm-hmm. look at the numbers, and we, we talked earlier in the show about roster turnover and everything like that, that offensive line has basically been the same four or five guys for the last almost two years now. So mm-hmm. when when you're able to make that happen, an offensive line, those guys are playing off of each other. They need to be familiar with the guy next to them, and you're seeing the results of that in Winnipeg, although uh, last week was a different story in BC. So we'll see what happens next week against Toronto. But as far as Winnipeg still goes, no catches for Adarius Bowman. He did have a bad drop in this one. I'm beginning to wonder if we're at the end of the road. Yeah, I, uh, when I was looking at the stat sheet, I was like, Are, really, again? I think this is the third game this year where he doesn't have a catch. And, you know, he's supposed to be the big free agent guy they brought in. You know, you look at years that he had in Edmonton with Mike Riley, and it's just it doesn't make any sense. But 
I don't know if it's starting to if it's starting to drop off or if he's just struggling right now. I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I just zero three yeah three games this year with zero catches. It doesn't look very good. We do need to talk about that Toronto offense, which looks absolutely horrible. Now mm-hmm. the Bombers, they actually let Toronto stay in this game longer than. They probably should have, but one was a uh, Kevin Fogg fumble on a punt. That got returned for a touchdown. Uh, Another one was a defensive touchdown. So (laughs) the offense did nothing in this game. Uh, James Franklin, 21 of 36 for 151. He has an interception, five rush yards. We will not talk about my fantasy team again because I thought James Franklin – Judging by what he did against the Eskimos last week, almost 300 yards would be able to put up similar numbers against the Bombers. He did not. Uh, And I think a big part of that has to be James Wilder Jr. It was uh, in the third quarter. They showed the graphic on TV. I think at that point, Andrew Harris had 114 rushing yards. JWJ minus two. And that's where he ended. That is insane. That can't happen. No. And even with that, he can still hit 1,000, 1,000 as well. Oh, come on. He needs to average 67.7 rush yards and 59.3 receiving yards the rest of the, the, rest of the year. That, that's doable. If he does it with this game, that would be impressive. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's, that is not the James Wilder Jr. that we're accustomed to seeing. Uh but, you know, that Winnipeg defense, we, we talk about it all the time, how it's bend, don't break. But, you know, they'll, they'll have games where they step up and absolutely shut teams down, and they did that on Saturday night. Yeah, and late in this game, uh, the Argos lost. Chris Van Zyl, veteran offensive mm-hmm. lineman. That's not going to help their rush game as well. But oh, the receivers here, I took SJ Green as well. Three catches on nine yards. But... SJ doesn't have any help, man. Um, no. Th- there's nobody else there with him. The Argos, I'm sure I've said it before this season, they probably have the weakest receiving core in the CFL. I, I well, would, Montreal's would, there too. <laughs> yeah, like it, it's a tight race. Like I mean, SJ, three catches. Noel, three catches, 16 yards. Amarty Edwards, three catches, 29 yards. Like Nobody, I don't know. If it well, a product of it too is going to be it's James Franklin, not Ricky Ray, right now. So yeah. that doesn't help. That that'll affect the receiving core a lot. Um, that being said, you need to make plays when you're given opportunities, and they did not. Well, let's move on to the final game of the week. We got in the worst argument of all time on the last show. It was yes, no, yes, no, and I believe I was right again. <laughs> Hey, you know what, man? Montreal stuck around in this game. You admit it more than you thought they would. Oh, definitely. And this game, I don't know if it is Calgary playing down to the level of their opponent or Bo's injury is, I think, more serious than they're letting on. Now, if you watch Bo in this game, he didn't move much. And that might be a problem next week against Saskatchewan. That might just be me getting my hopes up. But in Regina, two wins in a row. That crowd is going to be rocking here. Both struggled a little bit in uh, this game. In in the first half, not so much. Um, I think they got off to a 19-1 lead or -hmm. something like that. So the Alouettes blew a 1-0 lead. I don't know how. but (laughs) I have a theory. <laughs> but early in the game, it just looked like Eric Rogers, you cannot defend him. It, it seems absolutely impossible. Monday, Monday, go! Four for Jackson, second and six. touchdown! Eric Rogers, third catch of the drive! No, you can only hope to contain him. 113 yards on nine catches and a touchdown, 26.3 fantasy points. Um, you know he's he's become a must start, and we we kind of felt that uh, you know when he resigned or came back to CFL, it was like you know 
the the year he had in 2015, he's got the opportunity to pick up right where he left off, and he has. Um, you know, he's he's in the conversation right now for one of the best receivers in the CFL. You know, Tyrell Sutton, uh, he had an okay game, and you know, he had 15.6 fantasy points, so you're okay if you took him, but he averaged over four yards a carry against the Calgary defense, which is mm-hmm. not easy to do. He also had 52 yards on five catches. B.J. Cunningham had a touchdown, which saved his day. Now, the Manziel news kind of changes this, but Schiltz, it, it looks like the offense has a little bit of hope when he's in there. He, he kind of makes things happen uh, a little bit. He's a lot more mobile than Drew Willie, um, but we're, we're we're living on borrowed time here for Matthew Schiltz. It's going to be Johnny's team right away, so that's kind yeah, of... I would, I would uh, think so, yep. Yeah, so it's kind of a moot point. The, where I wanted to go here was in the second half, the Montreal defense kept the Owls in this game. Of course, the offense couldn't do anything against Calgary, but the Stamps were repeatedly given incredible field position that they could not capitalize. It's almost like they probably should have won this game by 35 or 40 Mm -hmm. points, but the Owls' defense really made it more respectable than it should have been. Well, and I've been banging that drum for the last three weeks. Like, on paper... On paper, that defense should be way better than what they're playing. Um, well, you know, they, they got some talent there. They got Mwamba. <laughs> now they lost Met- they, Westerman. They so Westerman I think that, I think that's a big loss. But Tommy Campbell had his interception in this one. The first one is an Alouette against his old team. So that had to feel good. Oh, I I guarantee. Like when you play, especially a first your first game against your old team, you yeah. get you you get amped up and you you, you make a play like that, and uh, it's like yeah. I, I can still play football. I don't know why you guys didn't want me. <laughs> yeah, well, he went for the money, and I can't really yeah. blame him. <laughs> oh, for sure. And it's, but take, I wouldn't even if I was playing professional football. I wouldn't even care about winning. I would just take the money because you never know when your career is going to be over, and you just cash those checks. Yeah, winning's nice, <laughs> but when I mean, you're on a CFL salary, you uh, get those checks when you can, man. Mm-hmm. And like. You know, it one hit and your your season or you know your career could be over. So, uh, financial security would be trumping any winning for me. Well, we saw that happen with uh, uh, Joe Burnett in this one. Mm-hmm. Longtime CFL veteran gets carted off the field. Leg should not point the way his leg was pointing, so it can all happen uh, just like that. You know, by accident, a lot of these things happen, so I'm uh, hoping for a speedy recovery for uh, Joe Burnett, but we were talking about that Al's defense. They shut down Don Jackson. He had less than 50 yards rushing in this one, so mm-hmm. they were able to key in on him. The Owls' defense looked really good, considering that the Stampeders had 10 more uh, minutes of possession in this one. Yeah, uh, when you have the ball that much, you should be putting up big numbers. Um, but yeah, for Don Jackson to get shut down like that, that I didn't see that coming. So your highest scores in fantasy this week, Matt Nichols, Travis Lule, the, the only quarterbacks to get over 20 points. It was kind of a rough week at that position. And Matt Nichols was my starting quarterback this week, so I am pleased. Oh, you're riding high, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I have third, third in the weekly standings this week and third overall now for the year in our group. So, you know, I'm pretty happy with that. Does that, uh, does that cure your hangover a little bit? No, these leftover <laughs> these leftover chicken nuggets should though. Uh, Sinopoli, Rogers, uh, Arsenal. Well, Sinopoli, the highest scorer. Period. Andrew Harris second uh, in that category. Then Eric Rogers, Manny Arsenal, both over twenty six points. Marcus Thigpen, William Powell. Uh, they had good games as well. And of course, the Calgary defense. They had eleven points. If you fit them into your lineup. You're happy. They were really expensive, though. Uh, Saskatchewan and Calgary both had nine points. Man, how, how do you feel about not starting a defense and just maxing out everywhere else? I don't like it because that's not how you play the game. 
I agree too. I, I feel I'm, as a purist, I feel like you should fill your lineup, you mm-hmm. dirty cheater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, you should. I, I, I if if you're not going to start a defense and like, it, would you do that? The only time I wouldn't do it is if like in our we play NFL fantasy football. If I'm up big and I got my defense playing on Monday night, and the other guy doesn't have, and I'm I've already won the matchup, he's got no players left. I'm benching my defense. Because that it, makes sense, right? They gave me negative points and I lose. Well, then yeah. But in a yeah. weekly, weekly, no, I fill it up because it it's a salary cap, you know, and you're kind of circumventing the cap at that point, are you not? Like you know, when Lou was in New Jersey and signed that 15 year deal for Kovalchuk, it's kind oh, of, you know, screwed the team. I I'm yeah. a Devils fan. I don't know I if know. I've ever said that on this podcast, but screw Kovalchuk and sp- screw him getting back into the league. It's the longest, if you can't beat them, join them. Oh, they yeah. Loses trying to go final to L.A., leaves for four years or five years, and then comes back and joins L.A. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, We've talked way too much about other sports in this one. But <laughs> that does it for week six. We'll be back on Thursday. I guess we'll know more about this whole Johnny Manziel thing. By then, as you heard, uh, Two and Out is now a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you like our show, we were just talking about hockey. There are some hockey podcasts on the network as well, so go check them out, the Fourth Line Podcast and Hockey Feels. I'm sure they will talk more about uh, Kovalchuk than we will. You can find their show, our shows, and the rest of the members of the network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. Brazilian tie. We'll be back on Thursday. What game are you looking forward to next week? I think that that uh, Ryder Stampeder game could be something like 9 6. Oh, don't. <laughs> no, why, why do you got to do that to me? Um, you don't want an all field goal game? Do you? Well, <laughs> I'd be okay. I'd be okay with all rouges. Now, that would be um, something. We could have a 4 3 <laughs> game here. Yeah, uh, the Ottawa Hamilton game. Yeah, both games on Saturday, really are. I think are going to be the best games of the week. You know, Edmonton should handle Montreal pretty easy, and if Winnipeg plays like they did this week, I don't think it's going to be much of a game on Friday night. But we can talk about that on Thursday. Yeah, and you know what? Calgary gets their first West Division opponent of the season, so we will be talking about that. Of course, we're in the Canadian Football Podcast Network as well. Rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. We will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.